It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Billboard Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm doing quite well. How about yourself, Keith? I am. I'm all right. Just living the dream. Super excited about the Billboard Music Awards, which are coming up. Very soon. Um, lots, lots of news to talk about that, because as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news about two new debuts in the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100, from the Kid Leroy's Without You, now bolstered by a remix with Miley Cyrus, and Billie Eilish's Your Power, plus how DJ Khaled logs his third number one album on the Billboard 200 chart with his latest star-studded effort, Khaled Khaled. Plus, we have Billboard Music Award news. Drake and Pink will both be on hand at the event on May 23rd, as Drake will receive the Artist of the Decade Award. Well, Pink will be honored with the Icon Award. Ooh. Plus, Pink, Pink has also been busy prepping a new Amazon Prime documentary, All I Know So Far, and a new single by the same name, and a new live album titled All I Know So Far set list. There's a theme the, there. Yeah, there, there is. And the latter of those things got us thinking about other live albums and songs that have hit the charts. So stay with us as we fall down a rabbit hole together, as we are wont to do. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. All right, let's do the chart chat. First up on the Billboard Hot 100, as the weekend's Save Your Tears with Ariana Grande holds firm at number one for a second week, the top 10 welcomes two new arrivals. The Kid Leroy's Without You, now with Miley Cyrus, debuts at number eight while Billie Eilish's Your Power debuts at number 10. Without You surges into the top 10 following the release of its remix with Miley Cyrus, and it gives the Kid Leroy his second top 10 and highest charting hit yet. Meanwhile, for Cyrus, it's her 10th top 10 and her highest charting single, which is kind of hard to believe, since 2013's Wrecking Ball hit number one. Wow. What? That is hard to believe. (laughs) (laughs) What the heck? Uh, as for Billy, Your Power debuts after its first full week of tracking, as it was actually released on Thursday, April 29th, and our sales and streaming tracking weeks runs Friday through Thursday. Um, it's the fifth top 10 for Eilish, and it's setting up 
uh, her new album, uh, which comes out at the end of July. So uh, expect big things from the album, I would assume. And um, we didn't really talk about Billy at all last week, but um, I will go off script just for a hot second. Katie, uh, the new single and the new video was also accompanied by a big cover story in British Vogue. Um, and uh, all the accompanying photos that kind of broke the internet. Um, I'm sure you're aware of all of this news. Uh, what did yes. you think? What did you think of Billy's uh, um, uh, cover story and and sort of the 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 new era of Billy Eilish? Well, I'll tell you, it didn't break my internet because <laughs> I didn't think it was that scandalous. <laughs> I have always loved that she has been super upfront about like, I wear baggy clothes. So, you know, I'm, I'm a mystery. You can sit there and wonder what's going on underneath my oversized t-shirt. You know what? She is a grown ass woman now. And so she decided to pose for British Vogue and, Basically, I mean, she's fully clothed. She's wearing like some corsets and things that are a little sexier than she's ever worn. But she looks incredible. Blonde hair is working for her this new era. The song is amazing. And it's also totally different while still being super her style. You know, acoustic guitars. I don't know. Like, it's just it's totally different. Yeah. But it yeah. works for her. Um, And I also love the uh, the meaning behind the song and the crazy, you know, snake video. Love it all. I'm here for it. <laughs> um, well, for the full details and all the numbers on the debuts in the top 10 on the Hot 100, make sure to check out Gary Trust's story on Billboard.com. Next up on the Billboard 200, DJ Khaled scores his third number one as the star-studded Khaled Khaled album opens atop the list with 94,000 equivalent album units earned in the week ending May 6th, according to MRC data. The set boasts everyone from Justin Bieber and Justin Timberlake to Jay-Z and Drake, all of which have had their own number one albums on the Billboard 200 naturally. Because why would you be on a DJ Khaled album unless you are an incredible superstar on your own? Come on. Correct. Uh, Lastly, on Tuesday, May 11th, it was revealed that Drake, hey, we just talked about him, will be on hand at the upcoming Billboard Music Awards on May 23rd to accept the Artist of the Decade Award. Now, the honor is based off his chart performance on the Billboard Hot 100 and Billboard 200 charts in the 2010s decade. So uh, 2010 through the end of 2019, as well as social media data and touring revenue from Billboard Box Score. Uh, We also announced the rest of the top 10 artists of the decade. And here they are. Now, some of these, by the way, we'd actually already announced. We'd already unveiled 10 through 6, I believe. Yep. And then mm-hmm. on Tuesday, we unveiled five through one, including Drake. So this might be new to you. Uh, number 10 is Post Malone. Number nine is Maroon 5. I'm sure they wish they could have been five to have the Maroon 5 five tie-in, you know. Uh, number eight, mm-hmm. Katy Perry. Number seven, Justin Bieber. Number six is Ed Sheeran. And then, drum roll, please, number five, Adele. Number four, Rihanna. Number three, Bruno Mars. Number two, Taylor Swift, and of course, number one, top artist of the decade, Drake. So congrats, everybody, on your incredible chart success. And we look forward to seeing Drake at the Billboard Music Awards on May 23rd. Yes, and also at those BBMAs will be Pink, who will be honored with the prestigious Icon Award, which recognizes outstanding artists who have achieved excellence on the Billboard charts 
and have made an indelible mark on music itself. Pink joins previous honorees Garth Brooks, Cher, Neil Diamond, Celine Dion, Jennifer Lopez, Prince, Stevie Wonder, Janet Jackson, and Mariah Carey. Nice company. Uh, Yeah, and in addition to that award, there's also a new Pink documentary coming to Amazon Prime on May 21st. And now Pink has announced that there will also be a brand new live album coming with it. The film, which is called All I Know So Far, will arrive alongside the companion album All I Know So Far Setlist, which will feature live recordings from Pink's Beautiful Trauma World Tour in 2019, as well as the new title track and her song Cover Me in Sunshine, which features her daughter Willow. So this got us thinking about live albums, which at one point in our world were a massive deal and they're not nearly as commonplace or as popular as they once were. Um, you know, Keith actually took a look back at how live albums have performed on the billboard charts and he found more than two dozen live albums have topped the billboard 200. So Keith, what are some of the highlights there for you? Yeah, it's, it's funny. I think people may not realize how many live albums have actually been number one. I mean, cause yeah. there's a lot of live albums in general that people remember like, Oh, like what about kiss alive? That was a huge live album. It was never number one, but it's still a landmark live album. There's lots of albums like that that were huge, may have not gone to number one, but still, I was kind of surprised by how many live albums have actually hit number one. So briefly, I can't possibly read all of these off, but Mm -hmm. in the early 60s, we actually had a number of uh, comedic albums hit number one that were effectively like stand-up concerts. Um, either in front of a sort of small club audience or maybe in like a small assemblage of people. Um, We had a couple number ones from Bob Newhart, um, some comedic albums from Alan Sherman. Um, And then, uh, you know, after that, we got, well, also, by the way, amongst these comedy albums, there was a Judy Garland uh, live album, Judy, at Carnegie Hall in 1961, a proper that's a fa- a famous one. Proper live recording. Um, but in the that's the one that Ru- sorry, that's the one that Rufus Wainwright did a tribute to, right? I, recently, I believe so. And I also think yeah. that album won the uh, Grammy for album of the year as well. I believe. Mm. Um, wow. In the late '60s, we had number one live albums from the Beach Boys, Johnny Cash. In the '70s, there were live albums like uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young's Four Way Street, Elvis Presley, Aloha from Hawaii via satellite. <laughs> I love that via satellite. <laughs> okay, I mean, it was at the time, it was a concert special that was actually beamed from Hawaii, and it was it was a live television broadcast in Asia and I guess in Oceania, and then mm. they they um did a sort of a version of it that was aired later in America, and then they put out the live album. So it was like a big event to kind mm-hmm. of broadcast this album this this show via satellite you know it's a very high tech phrase back in 1973 Indeed. um <laughs> and then in the late 70s we had number 1 live albums from peter frampton i mean the huge enormous album frampton comes alive um yeah. wings wings over america barry manilow had a live uh, album go to number 1 uh donna summer had a 3 quarters live album meaning <laughs> 3 out of the 4 lps back in the time vinyl albums um, were actually it was two double it was two vinyl albums, so it was a double well, three LP. out of the four sides. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> three out of the four sides at the time were live. It was called Live and More. Um, and then when when we get into the eighties, we had number one live albums from Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Um, uh, there was a number one sort of live album, but not totally live album from U two called Rattle and Hum, where about like nearly half of the album was live, but not quite. 
Um, and then when we get into the 90s, we get to a whole bunch of number ones, mostly owed to uh, MTV, basically, uh, and MTV's Unplugged. Yeah. Uh, there was Eric Clapton's Unplugged in 1993, Nirvana's MTV Unplugged in New York in 1994, The Eagles' Hell Freezes Over in 1994, which was effectively an MTV Unplugged special. Yeah, it wasn't branded Unplugged, but it was aired on MTV. Yeah, yes. the same thing happened with Fleetwood Mac's 1997 album, The Dance. It was basically an unplugged album on MTV, but they just called it The Dance instead. Um, But in more recent years, we've had a lot fewer number one live albums. Um, Since 2010, we've only had two live albums hit number one. In 2010, there was the Various Artists uh, charity album, Hope for Haiti Now. And then in 2017, Kenny Chesney got a number one uh, with Live in No Shoes Nation. But that's it in terms of recent years. And so it basically... The charts agree with what Katie said. Their live albums just aren't a big deal like they used to be. Yeah, and I mean, a couple of the ones that you named there are things that immediately came to mind when I was thinking about, you know, huge live albums in my childhood, at least, which were um, Frampton Comes Alive, and mostly from listening to the radio, more so than my parents playing that album, just because a lot of songs from that album were, like, all the Peter Frampton songs I knew were live versions of his songs mm. that played on the radio. You know what I mean? And then, um, uh, obviously, Hell Freezes Over. Anyone who's listened to this podcast knows my love, um, lifetime love of the Eagles. You like the Eagles? And so, um, really? I do. I have a soft spot for the Eagles, Keith. Mm. I'm not sure I've mentioned that before. Um, but that album specifically was just played until that CD must have been worn out in my household. So... Um, you know, I just had a lot of live music playing in my house and obviously not as, uh, not as normal anymore, but, um, we were also thinking about live songs as well as albums and the unplugged stuff came to mind for me immediately with songs. I mean, I feel like half the Nirvana unplugged album was played on the radio as singles, uh, or I'll be there from Mariah's unplugged. Which I learned, Mariah's Unplugged, was that like more of an EP? Yeah. It's, it wasn't a full album, right? I think it's right? technically an EP, yeah. Yeah, and I definitely had that. My dad definitely had the Clapton uh, Unplugged, which Tears from Heaven and the version of Layla's on there, which I feel it kind of became its own song yeah. from the original Derek and the Domino's version of Layla. They're very different. S- super you know? different. Like I, I, Super different. I think I heard the Unplugged version of Layla first. You know, because I was a little. I think younger. that's true for a lot of people. And then when I heard yeah. the original version, I'm like, "Whoa, these are two totally different songs." Yeah, and like that piano outro from the original version, completely ignored in the unplugged, and also just like the kind of swing that he has with the acoustic version is just—it's like a different tempo. It's the whole thing is just different. Um, but it became its own super massive hit, and then um, uh. I oh cheap trick uh, this is one that I also thought of like I remember when I first heard the studio version of cheap tricks I want you to want me I realized that I actually knew the live version better than that and I I don't know if there's any like radio you know data to back me up on that but I feel like that's what got played I think you're correct me, was the live one. I think most people probably so. know the live version than the studio version like he starts out by like saying, I want you to want, to want me, me. <laughs> to the audience. Uh, these things do not happen anymore, Keith. We do not have moments like this anymore, and I, is all I'm saying. Yeah, it's weird. Um, uh, some, some of the ones uh, that I've thought of um, when you prompted me to think of this, 
Um, yes. <laughs> uh, I, a brief, not authoritative list of number one Hot 100 hits that also happen to be live recordings. Um, Katie already mentioned Mariah Carey's I'll Be There hit number one. George Michael and Elton John's live recording of Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, which has sure. a very famous version, uh, a famous, very famous moment where it starts off as a George Michael solo song, and then he surprises the audience at one of his con- one of his shows saying, you know, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Elton John! And then Elton John comes out, and the audience goes wild because they were not expecting Elton John to show up and join him. Right. And then it became a huge smash hit. And that's the ver- you heard that all over the radio. Um, there's also uh, Stevie Wonder's Fingertips Part 2, of course, uh, which an enormous, huge live single. Um Billy Idol's Moni Moni, his only number one on the Hot 100, happened to be a live recording of Moni Moni. I'm going to have to revisit that. And something that I kind of forgot was a live recording, um, the song At This Moment by uh, Billy Vera and the Beaters. Um, It was popularized in the sitcom Family Ties, starring Michael J. Fox. Um, It became the sort of the theme song of him, uh, of his character um, uh, and his character's girlfriend on the show, and they played it on the show a lot and it became this thing where this song which basically had kind of been released and done nothing a few years earlier was resuscitated re-released and became a huge hit and turns out apparently the song was recorded live at the roxy in hollywood just down the street from us tiny little venue tiny. incredible Who knew? yeah um <laughs> also i momentarily forgot but then i realized oh wait i knew this um the end of of prince's purple rain album the last three songs uh, I Would Die For You, Baby I'm a Star, and Purple Rain were all live recordings. So the singles that we remember of I Would Die For You and Purple Rain were both live recordings recorded in front of an audience. And when you listen to them now, you're like, yeah, oh. I can hear an audience kind of in the background. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm just making a face at Keith. That, that makes for a good podcast. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> now, granted, there, there there are some, I mean, when you listen to Purple Rain, and I would, I mean, I'm sure there's some overdubs. They've probably gone in to sweeten things and tweak things. But I have actually fallen into a rabbit hole before on something else. I know we already said that phrase today. But you can find, like, the original version of the Purple Rain recording floating around on the internet. And you can compare it side by side to the one that made the record. It's effectively mm. the same thing. I mean, they may have just fixed a few things, but it's it's basically the same. That's just how great Prince That's is wild. live. <laughs> yeah, exa- I was going to say the fact that you could mistake it for a studio recording is insane. Yeah. So, um, yeah, okay. that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff there. It is. It is a lot. Um, so, you know, how about now? What do, what purpose does a live album or a live song serve now, especially when you can go on YouTube and search any song, you know, any artist to a point and, and find probably maybe it's some going to be some shoddy live footage. <laughs> I actually watched some footage from, uh, NSYNC's pop odyssey tour <laughs> that I don't even know what somebody was shooting it with, <laughs> but it was God awful, but it was fun to just listen and kind of see blurry men dancing <laughs> in the distance. <laughs> um, but you can, you can find it. So, um, you know, in, in 2021, what, what is it? What purpose does it serve? I guess is the question to serve as the, uh, the supplemental piece of product to go along with your Amazon documentary film. Exactly. Exactly. I mean. and, well, and that was the thing that kept coming up for me when I was looking at this is it feels like the concert film or the concert documentary has kind of replaced maybe the live album because people want that kind of extra, 
you know, behind the scenes footage or interviews or, um, you know, it's giving a glimpse into the personality of the artist and behind the scenes, as opposed to just hearing a carbon copy of what you would hear live, right? You're getting extra stuff. Um, I feel like we've talked about this on the show before, but like one of my favorite uh, music documentaries of the past, I guess, you know, I don't know exactly when it was, but Katy Perry's piece of me. I don't know if you saw I've seen it. that. I think we've talked about the podcast before. It is very emotional, very raw. And so I feel like that might be the kind of thing that people are seeking from, you know, a live concert film as opposed to just seeing the performances, because maybe it's a little easier to see the performances these days. Yeah. Um, But then there's like, uh, you know, Beyonce's um, Homecoming, Beachella, full homecoming, you know, movie, which both emotional and anybody who could not make it to the desert for that incredible performance got to see it, which was a magical experience. So um, maybe that's kind of the thing like that, you know, people want more. So the film is going to be more than the album. I, I don't know. Possibly. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it just, it just feels like it feels like those moments that were sort of distinct individual sort of pristine live moments are something that is a lot less rare because they're so easily accessible. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, it, if it was the 1970s and Kiss releases a live album and all you've heard, you know, through word of mouth, through your friends at school was like, oh my God, have you heard of this band Kiss? They wear makeup and there's blood on stage and fire. You haven't seen them yet. Your parents haven't let you. You don't. You can't buy a ticket. You've just heard through the grapevine that it's, oh my God, it's amazing. It's life-changing. They f- and then they decide to put out a live album with pictures of them live in concert. That is your document. That is the thing that you can hold on to as being like, this is as close as I'm going to get until you right. actually see them live. And so I think now that we can just so readily see almost anything we want on YouTube, it takes away a lot of that magic. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it doesn't mean that there isn't room for these still to exist, but I think there has to be a really compelling reason now for an artist to bother doing it. Right. So on the same topic, I actually talked to Sarah Bareilles, um, who has a live album herself coming out the same day as Pink. Hey. Uh, it's called <laughs> Amidst the Chaos, live at the Hollywood Bowl. And to promote the live album and her new Peacock show, Girls 5 Eva, she did a live stream concert from the Hollywood Bowl that uh, aired last week. And I got to be there, Keith, like at the flipping Hollywood Bowl. You and about two other people. <laughs> yeah, it was seriously like there. It was max a dozen people. It was so insane. And seeing it again through the live stream made it really, really realize the scope of, you know, being in an empty Hollywood Bowl. Um, and obviously it was emotional on lots of levels. Sarah was incredible. Her live vocals are incredible. And then not having been to a concert since, I think, February of 2020, maybe January. Wow, I saw Coldplay yeah. at the Palladium. I think it was February. Anyway, um, uh, added some extra layers to it. Plus, it's my favorite venue in Los Angeles. So uh, just getting to be there was amazing. And one of the things that she pointed out, because I got to talk to her after um, after she did the concert, um, she pointed out that she was originally planning to release this live album last year and then obviously things shifted with last year and um they kind of like put pause on it and then she kind of decided actually don't my fans need this now more than ever like people are starved for live music you know they haven't had it in person in in 
you know, more than a year. And it almost feels like, you know, it could potentially bring a sort of renaissance to recorded live music again, because people might want it, you know, so badly. I wonder. Um, And I feel like it's probably a similar story for uh, Pink as well, who's also releasing recordings of a 2019 tour. Uh, Sarah's tour was also in 2019. And this bull show was November 2019, the original show, um, which feels like a million years ago now. when was Sarah Bareilles's <laughs> She recorded the live album at her November 2019 headlining show at the Hollywood Bowl. And oh. then last week she aired a, a live stream concert in an empty bowl to promote said album as well as her new TV show. Okay, so the Sarah Bareilles yes. live album that's coming out was actually recorded in front of an audience in 2019. Exactly. Okay. Yes. And... All this is to say that, like, while live albums are not as commonplace now, I'm just I'm curious whether, you know, people might be a little bit hungrier for live music now. I know that I sure as hell was. And I think her fans were super pumped to even see her performing live, even if they couldn't be there. You know what I mean? I think if if it's the right project with the right set of songs that give a whole new twist to something, as we saw with the MTV Unplugged series, where it took plugged in songs and gave and and gave them a new life, like Layla, or like any of the, the Rod Stewart unplugged and seated songs, or you know you'd hear Nirvana stripping down their songs to become unplugged and acoustic. It it made people think of music in a different way, and it, and it kind of revived entire careers as well for certain artists. Um, I mean, I mean, artists we didn't even talk about, like hip hop artists, like when LL Cool J did Unplugged and he did Mama Said Knock You Out, and it was like a lot, like an acoustic sort of version. Everyone yeah. lost their minds. So I think yeah. that can still all happen again. It just needs to be the right set of circumstances. And yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Like revitalizing the way the way we listen to music, which is what they did. Um, but I love a live album, so I hope I hope it's having a renaissance for my own personal wishes. All right. Well, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. And it's actually Quiz Katie time. So, oh, Katie, man. which of these artists have not charted a live album of their own on the Billboard 200? So if they happen to be part of a multi-artist live album, that's not counting for our purposes. So basically a solo live project. Uh, we have Ariana Grande, Janet Jackson, and Whitney Houston. Which of those three have not charted a live album on the Billboard 200 chart? Man, I don't know the answer to this question. Um, I, I, so I'm going to guess. Um, you should do that. You should guess. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess Whitney Houston. Uh, no, I'm sorry. You are wrong. <laughs> the answer is Janet Jackson. Okay. I was between Janet and Whitney. I felt like I knew of the Ari project. Um, Whitney released a uh, live compilation of her sort of greatest live performances posthumously, and that charted in the mm. top 20 a few years ago. Ariana released a Sweetener Live album. Yep. I think it was called uh, K Thinks Bye For Now, something like that. Yeah. Um, but Janet has yet to even release a live album, period. You should so. put out the concert that you and Gail went to. Yeah, she should. Specifically, <laughs> specifically the show that we were at at the forum. That, that one at the forum, that specific show. Um, well, there you have it. Just a, a quick little ca- quiz, Katie, about um, three of our favorite divas and if they've ever charted a live album on the Billboard 200. All right, we've reached the end of our big live, live, live show, show, show. Any parting words, Katie? 
Well, you know, it's May, and so we didn't really talk about... Uh, there's some great live Christmas songs, too. <laughs> I thought sure. of... <laughs> Yeah, I thought of I thought of Bruce Springsteen doing Santa Claus is coming to town. That's a classic. That's from a 1970s recording. Yeah. And then uh, I thought about uh, the Hanukkah song by Adam Sandler was oh, also yeah. alive. Put on a your live recording. It's time to celebrate Hanukkah, which is great because then you have the, the laughter along with it. You know, people hearing it for the first time. So the owner of the Supersonicas loves to celebrate Hanukkah. That's correct. <laughs> Okay, so 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 therefore, after all, we can't we sh- we can't go out in a holiday song, right? That's <laughs> oh no, Katie, it's your show. You tell me. <laughs> it's our show, Keith. That seems like a terrible idea. I think instead we should circle back to um one of the unplugged albums, um and do uh let's do Mariah. I'll be there. Gosh, that's a great recording. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.